Hey, how's everybody doing? It's great to see you. It is great to see you. By the way, are these guys not amazing? Every week, every, every week, they just, I'm just blown away. I'm ushered into the presence of God. And what more can we ask for? From, uh, from a worship team. I get uh, emails from people who used to attend Calvary that have moved. I got another one this week. Uh, they're like, please help me find a church like Calvary where I just moved to. And it's like, sorry. Um, <laughs> podcast, that's all I got for you. You know, if you do have an internet connection in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, so anyway, uh, but we're blessed, man. We're blessed to have these guys. And, um, you know, so anyway. Uh, so last week, Last week I was on vacation, but we kind of stuck around town. But we took our kids and our two nieces and our nephew. So just for those keeping score at home, that is six kids, my wife and I, because that sounds like a vacation. Um, we took them to this little bounce house place in Weston. And they have, you know, like they have bounce houses, rock climbing walls and things like that. And when we got there, you know, you kind of walk in and then you start telling your kids now, guys, once you walk in, it's like, they all just scattered. And it's like, okay, that's what we're doing. Uh, so even my daughter, Olivia, who's only 18 months old, she got in on it too. She just took off. I didn't even know she could walk that fast. And so, but you know, Olivia is, uh, of the three kids, man, she is for sure the most fearless, adventurous of the, of the three. And uh, she doesn't care, like, if you're following her or not. She is not even interested in parental supervision at all. And so... Uh, and if you can keep up with her, that's fine. If not, that's okay too. So all the kids kind of go off to their own things, all these different kind of little bounce house areas. So she, funny enough, finds the one, like just so happens to pick the one that's four toddlers. So she climbs up into that one and, and goes, goes for it. And so I'm kind of standing at the entrance of it, like seeing her go in. Carrie's working with the other kids doing something. And so Carrie uh, says to me, she says, Bob, you go in there right now and, and follow her and make sure she's okay. And I said, you know, like, well, Gary, I'm the spiritual leader of my home. And I've decided to go in there and make sure she's okay. So, which is what I did. And uh, so you go into this little bounce house thing and it, and it is like a maze. Uh, and so you can go in and there's like all these things that are sticking out, you can kind of go through this little maze, or there's, uh, the other option is you go up this little set of stairs and there's a slide. I thought for sure Olivia was going to be in the maze because she wouldn't have the upper body strength to pull herself up on these stairs and then go down the slide. So I'm looking in the maze and I don't see her, but which, by the way, I didn't tell Carrie that. She's listening to that right now for the first time. So, but anyway, this, no harm came of it. And uh, it's all good. So anyway, but then I hear her laughing. And so I, I hear her laughing. I'm like, she's not in here. She went down the slide. So I climb up the, st- the, the ladder on the slide, and I go down the slide. And let's just say I'm a little over the weight limit for the toddler one. And so I get down the slide, and she's there. And then uh, she sees me, and she starts laughing, so she gets up and starts running. As she runs and turns the corner, this kid that's about eight years old just barrels her over. And so she falls down. And then I come out and I stand straight up on this bounce house with this kid. And this kid's like, oh, oh, sorry, man. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, what are you doing in here? This is for toddlers. You're, well, whatever. You know, and, and so anyway, so he kind of like just doesn't really care much. So he, he walks away. So I pick Olivia up and I'm, I'm calming her down. And then I say to Olivia, because I say this to all of my kids, because whenever I go to a place like this, here's my one goal. 
go home. After I've been there for about five minutes, I am ready to leave. So anytime my kids get hurt, my first thing is, hey, you're hurt. You know what we should do? Go home. I have a Band-Aid in the kitchen that'll fix this in a jiffy. So let's go home. So I tell Olivia, oh, you're hurt? Honey, let's go home. And then she just kind of wrestles herself free and takes off running. Well, so she, she takes off and then she gets to this. There, she kind of turns the corner and there's another, set of, another ladder with the slide that goes down. So she climbs up, goes down the slide. I climb up, go down the slide. And as fate would have it, I get down the slide and the kid that barreled her over was on the floor crying because somebody had just barreled him over. So I hide my smile. And I know so he's crying and then he sees me and remembers his previous sins and starts crying even more. I'm telling you what, and I thought, I just thought to myself, I said, there is a God and I am his favorite, you know, and, uh, you know, and I just thought vengeance is yours, Lord. And, uh, so we decide after all of that and, and the kids are sweating like crazy, we decide to take a break. So in this, um, thing, there's like the bounce house area and then there's an arcade. So there's uh, some chairs. We all give the kids a cookie and, uh, which, you know, at these places that ended up just roughly like 85 bucks for five cookies. And then. So we get them a cookie and then we go to the arcade because, uh, you know, how, how expensive can an arcade be? And uh, but I decide to start my son, who's four, on some training in, in air hockey, because you may not know this, but uh, I am a master air hockey champion. If air hockey was an Olympic sport, I would be Michael Phelps. I'm telling you what Wayne Gretzky is to regular hockey. I am to air hockey. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And so anyway, so I'm explaining to Xander how it works and, you know, this and that, different strategies on how he can be a champion as well someday in life. And so uh, but while we're playing, this mom comes in with her two kids. She has a daughter who looks about nine or ten and a son that's probably about uh, five or six. She gives each of them a cup filled with tokens and says, guys, I'm going to be sitting out here uh, doing some work. She had her laptop. And she said, uh, so just, you know, have fun in the arcade and I'll be out here if you need me. So there's a glass that uh, you can see the entire arcade. So she's out there sitting, and then the kids are playing uh, in the arcade. And so then Xander plays a bunch of stuff. We play at the arcade. We use up all of our tokens. And then uh, he says, hey, can I play this racing game? Now, I'm going to give you parents a little tip, um, is that when your kids are real young, you can just say yes to the racing game. And they say, okay, but I need tokens. No, you don't need tokens. Just, just play. Because then it does like a little demo. And the kid's like, come on, drive. Like, hey, I'm really doing it. Yes, you are, buddy. You're awesome. And so anyway, it'll save you a bunch of money doing that. So Xander does that. And then he, uh, he, he sees this game that has all these, like, rubber balls in it. And it has, like, a claw, you know, the claw that comes down for all you Toy Story fans out there. And uh, that's the first child movie reference of the day. So it has this thing. You pay two bucks. No matter what, you win one. And so... Uh, he wants to play because he wants to get one of, he wants to get the claw and win one of these uh, rubber ball things. And he says to me, hey, dad, can I have the token so I can play this game? And I said, uh, buddy, we have spent like way too much money. It's been like a car payment to be here. Uh, so let's not do that. And so as I'm explaining to Xander how much it costs to get in and whatever, you know, for six kids, and then they even charge the parents to, to go, which that's just as a total ripoff. Anyway, so nonetheless, I'm going to write them a letter. Like, dude, I didn't even bounce. I'm not even allowed to bounce. You know, every time I went to bounce, you kicked me out. So, and then you, anyway, whew, serenity now. So anyway, so I, uh, 
So I'm explaining this to Xander. Like, dude, we're not doing this. We're getting ready to go, this and that. This kid that had come in with this, this uh, cup of tokens says to me, he says, sir, I'd be happy for him to, to, uh, I'd be happy to pay for him to play the, the, token, the, the, the ball game. And I'm like, dude, that's so good. You're making me look bad, but I appreciate that. You know, so he ends up putting the tokens in and he plays the game and it's, it's awesome. And then he, he actually, he wins the ball because one of these things like every time, every person who plays wins. And so then uh, Xander gets has this little blue bouncy ball, you know, and he's so excited about it. And then he's like, he looks like so cheerfully at this kid who now is his best friend. And then he looks at me like, hey, why does this kid love me more than you do? Um, you know, which is kind of weird. And, uh, and it, I'll tell you what, I can deal with a lot of things, but I'm not good with when kids are ungrateful for stuff. Because I'm explaining to them, like, you know, you know, two bucks compared to, like, how much money it costs to get all kids in here and whatever. Um, and it drives, ungratefulness drives me crazy. And uh, I don't always handle it well. The other kids, the other day my kids were kind of ungrateful. So I threatened to send them on a missions trip. And uh, that's what you do when you're a pastor. And you're a pastor's kid. You get threatened to go on a missions trip. And, and they're, all, they're all like, I'm like, oh, you're, you're not happy here? How about we send you to preach the gospel in Ukraine? What? And they're, and they're like, no, not that. We want to go to Disney World. Oh, no. You're going to the third world. It's a third world after all. That's where you're headed, mister. Here's a Bible. Go. Anyway. Whoo. So back to the bounce house. Um, so, that's just a little aside. I'm not really sure where that came from. Um, so the kid does this for my son and then he's looking at me like dude this is really what you're this should be your model you know and so i I decide i'm going to go talk to his mom just to say you know you have a great son you know who's very generous and kind and whatnot and i couldn't find her and it turns out then we were leaving and then we ran into some other friends that showed up and whatnot anyway just got kind of crazy and i couldn't talk to her but i was telling carrie about this and i said you know i didn't even need to talk to that mom to meet her to know that she was a great mom and I said, because you, you and I both know, and, and, and we know this too, that like ge- that kind of generosity and giving spirit is something that's instilled in children. You, if you have kids, you know that doesn't come naturally to kids, right? Like my, my daughter, who's 18 months old, Olivia, she just said her first complete sentence. Here's what it was, right? No, comma, mine, exclamation point. <laughs> that was it. And it doesn't matter what it is. No, comma, mine, exclamation point. And that, we were outside. She's like, no, comma, mine. And I'm like, sweetie, this is my car. Said, no, it's my car. You don't even have a driver's license, you know. Uh, and, and so there's this, but you know this. Like, I know a lot. I knew a lot about this parent because I met her son. And listen, I want to tell you something, that the same thing is true about God. We learn about who God is from knowing him, but also knowing what's around Knowing what he's created and who he's created. Because everything and everyone is shouting to us and declaring about God's attributes and character and nature. We started a series several weeks ago now that's called Songs of the Kingdom. Where we're looking at different psalms each week now through the summer. And this time we're going to be looking at one of my favorite psalms. Which is Psalm 19. And if you want, you have your Bible, you can open there. Open your Bible app to Psalm 19. That's where we're going to be. It's one of my favorites because it's a psalm of revelation. It reveals who God is and it challenges us to see the fingerprints of God all around us. And when I was in college, I had to read this book. And if you've been around at Calvary, I've talked about this now and again. But I had to read this book by, uh, this, the book was called Knowledge of the Holy 
by a guy named A.W. Tozer. And A.W. Tozer, uh, in the first chapter of this book, here's what he says in the book, The Knowledge of the Holy. He says, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Let me say that again. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, here's why that is. Because what you think about when you think about God shapes your world like nothing else. You may not realize this, but many of the decisions that you've made in your life are directly related to your understanding or misunderstanding of who God is. What you believe about people is directly related to your understanding or misunderstanding of who God is. Your future, what you believe about your future, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about where you will end up in your life is directly related to how you view God. And this psalm is going to teach us who God really is. Why we worship him, why we follow him, and why we should. So we're going to start in verse 1 of Psalm 19. Here's what we read. It's a psalm of David. It says this. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now if you pause there and give me your attention, and there's three things that I want to show you about how we understand God. And here's the first one from these verses. It's this, that we understand God's glory through God's creation. We understand God's glory through God's creation. I, I, every so often, I mean, it's pretty regular, but I, I, will, I will come into contact with someone who attends church here or I'm somewhere else and I see them. And here's what they say to me. They say, you know, Pastor Bob, I'm, I'm in this situation. I'm in this pickle. I'm, I'm in this problem. And I really need God to speak to me. And can I tell you this, that I think that, I have this belief that many times, I think God is saying, I wish people would listen to me. Because God is speaking all the time. Even creation itself, according to these verses, is speaking. And and what is it speaking? It's speaking to us amongst many things, that God is a God of order. Because everything in creation has a purpose. Nothing is random. All of creation is designed to make mankind conscious of God. See, the Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 1. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Right? Everything has an order to it. There's no creature, animal, uh, season, anything that is there just... Standing out and said everything is integrated in, uh, in and of itself. There's a reason for everything that God created. I, I've been learning about this over the last couple of weeks. Um, we bought a home about six months ago. And the, the people that we bought the house from were so kind to give us this amazing playhouse for our kids. And uh, so my daughter loved it. And they were kind enough. Thank you so much for, for giving us this playhouse. And uh, so, um, but we, um, so the kids enjoy the playhouse. But one day... Um, my, I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm looking out the window and I saw, I mean, this was like a National Geographic moment. I mean, it was pretty crazy because there have been these like stray cats that have been uh, hanging around our, our backyard lately. And so, uh, but what I saw was I saw this cat, kind of, this, this kind of stray cat walking through our yard and I see that Carrie and I both standing there. 
this cat just jumps in the air and snags a bird out of midair and then takes it into the playhouse and slams the door behind it. What is up with that? So then there's these two little kittens and they decide to come in. They come in through the windows of the playhouse. And I tell Carrie, apparently we got an efficiency in the back here that we didn't even know about. These people aren't even paying rent. So I tell Carrie, I'm like, we got to get rid of these cats. And uh, I have to avenge the death of this bird, apparently. And so I'm like, well, you know, there isn't like a spray or something that gets rid of cats. If there is, let me know. But there is. So I'm looking in my garage trying to find something. And I'm like, I got something that kills hornets. This must I'm sure it'll annoy cats. So I get this little bomb. And uh, by the way, no cats were harmed in the making of this story. Uh, But so I go in. Right. And I I, seriously, I felt like I felt like I was in the FBI. I'll be honest with you. It was awesome. Because. I came in, this is probably a couple hours later when they felt, oh, so safe and secure in my home. And I was like, so I come in, right? And you know, you got to like push the thing down and then the smoke starts coming out. So I push the thing down. I kick open the door like the FBI. I go, incoming! Throw the thing and close the door. Oh, I felt so good. And, uh, and then you just see cats jumping out the window. That's probably what criminals do when the FBI, they just jump out windows. Anyway, so they jump out. And then I let the, 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 the smoke do its business. And then, I, you know, you wait like 30 minutes. And then you come out. Anyway, no cats there. But there's all these feathers. And you just know that a feast has taken place here. And so, oh, this is the circle of life, people. Haven't you seen The Lion King? You know. So anyway. So I got rid of the cats. They haven't come back. They realize they are not welcome here. So, uh. So that's okay. So then um, we had ju- I had just gotten done um, doing some, some weed and feed. Uh, as you know, I take pride in my lawn. It's, ser- it's, a ser- it's an important part of my life. So I- I- I've just done weed and feed on my lawn. This is, a- this is about uh, like two months ago. Uh, I-, I-, I weed and feed the lawn, and then I go to manually turn on my sprinklers. So I turn on the sprinklers, and then I go inside to get myself something to drink. And uh, as I grab myself a bottle of water, I'm standing at the, the kitchen, the same spot where I saw the bird, or the, the, the bird get eaten by the, uh, the, the cat. Uh, and then the thing turns, you know, all the, the sprinklers turn on and out from under the playhouse come like hundreds of bees. And it was like this tornado. And I'm seriously, because I was asking, and then I had to get a guy. By the way, there is a business for everything. I found a guy whose business is bees. His business is killing bees and removing them if you don't like them. First of all, who likes them? Like, no, 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 bring more in. What is that person? Anyway, so I'm like, I got his name's Willie. I got him on speed dial now on my phone. I'm like, dude, what's up? You coming to my birthday next month? Anyway, uh, no, he's not invited yet. Um, We're still talking through the guest list. But we, uh, so we've got this, so I have him come out and I say, and I tell him what happened. And I say, listen, here's what happened. I turn on my sprinklers. And uh, just like hundreds of bees came out. And he said, was it like a cone, like a, like a tornado? I'm like, dude, this was like a hurricane, class five. You know what I mean? This was crazy. And he said, well, it wasn't uh, like, you know, several hundred. It was probably about 10,000 bees. And, uh, and then he started telling me about bees. I know more about bees than I've ever wanted to know in my life. 
he says, you know, because what the, the, really what happens is, is that there's there, the queen. He's telling me about the governmental structure of the bee, the bee society. Like, dude, I don't want to just get rid of them. Well, you've got to understand what happens. The queen bee sends out the scouts. And then the foragers come in. And then they start building the honeycomb. And I'm like, dude, I don't care. I'm not trying to infiltrate their system. I'm not running for office with the bee in the bee community. I'm trying to get them out. So anyway, so he has some guy come in. One guy's tilting the thing over. And you know these guys have been around. They're wearing like regular clothes, like a t-shirt and shorts. And he's like surrounded by bees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they like this spot. All right, let me put on my gear. And then he like comes out like an astronaut. And then he starts like spraying stuff, chiseling stuff off. And all, it's, it's, it's madness what's going on here. Anyway, well, madness was the bill that he gave me. We'll get to that later. But so anyway, so he kills it. And then he's like, do you want the honeycomb? I'm like, no, I don't want the honeycomb. Just get, give that to, I don't know, someone else. And uh, so anyway, he gets rid of that. So then it's fine. Then um, about a month later, um, I, I come out. And we didn't feed it again because, you know, this is what you got to do. You got to keep it up. So then, or maybe it was like two months later or something like that. And uh, so this is about maybe like three weeks ago. And sure enough, I see some bees hanging around. It's like, hey, I heard there's a vacancy around here. You know what I mean? Sure enough, you know, the tornado comes back. Because I come home one afternoon and the tornado was there. It's madness. In fact, my brother and sister-in-law were there like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. So anyway, the, this full like bee tornado was there. I, once again, call Willie. Dude, Willie, what's up? So I call my Willie the bee man. He's my man um, w- when it comes to bees. And uh, so um, he said, that's my business. That's what he says. That's my business. That's his motto. That's my business. And uh, so I can't make this stuff up. I'm creative, but I'm not that good. That's just moving out into the bazaar. So anyway, so I call Willie. I now know members of his team, you know, and I'm like, I need Alex to come out here. He's good. You know, so anyway, so he brings this guy out and then he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they like this. I'm like, that's what we talked about last time. Anyway, so he comes out, he puts on his gear, he does the whole thing. And then he starts telling me about the, the queen bee and, you know, you know, the scouts, she sends about 150 scouts. And, and I'm like, I, I don't need to know this. And so anyway, so we finally eradicate the bees. So this past weekend, uh, you know, just, what is it? Friday. Uh, we have some friends coming over. So I'm in the backyard just kind of getting some, picking some stuff up and whatnot. And as I'm going, you know, the, the, the playhouse we have has like this little front like porch when you walk in. And as I'm walking by, I see this big frog standing in the, on the porch right in front of the door. And I, and I just said, I said, Lord, I will let your people go. Okay. No more plagues. I don't know where your people are, but I will release them. Okay. Let them go to their own land. You know, but man, it was, it was now, now the crazy part is every time these guys would come out, they would just start telling me all about Cause, and I'm like, dude, what is it? What is it about this spot? That all these, these like this, the whole animal kingdom is like converging here. And then he starts saying, well, you got to understand, is that, you know, the, 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 there's, there's, you know, the insects and then the fries, the frogs are attacked to the insects. And then you got the cats and the cats are attacked, you know, other different reptiles. And there's, I'm like, dude, I don't need to know. I, is there like a fence I can put up around this thing to put a fence around my fence? You know, I mean, it's, it's madness. And so, but here's the thing. This is the point of all of this, right? Is that 
you don't realize this, that every, until you kind of really come into contact with all of creation and the animal kingdom, is that every, everything is like tightly knit together. And all of it, believe it or not, is revealing God's glory. And, 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 and when you think about why is it important for us to see God's glory, it's because the glory of God is, is his splendor and his majesty. It's the reason that we worship him. You see, when I see the glory of God, when I see how good he is, how great he is, how powerful he is, it causes me to worship him more. It causes me to love him more. It causes me to follow him more committedly and more deeply. Because all of creation is speaking. If you aren't aware, as we said and we read that first verse, the heavens declare the glory of God. That's not just fanciful talk. That's a literal thing. That the, the, the heavens are declaring the message of the gospel. You see, uh, the constellations as we know them, the stars, these star clusters that we turn into, these pictures of things. Um, and sometimes you wonder, like, where did all that come from? Uh, the constellations are actually uh, begin as a Hebrew idea. Uh, they were what was called the Hebrew Maseroth. The Maseroth are the 12 constellations. And in fact, and they refer to the different signs of the zodiac. And there's a reason for that. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But let me explain why. Uh, in Genesis 1.14, I put in your notes. Here's what it says. It says, as God's creating everything, it says, Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons, signs and seasons, and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. So all of these stars and constellations are speaking to us for signs and for seasons. They're speaking to us about the message of the gospel. You say, well, how is that? By the way, that doesn't mean you should be checking your horoscope. All right? Um, and that's actually, the, the, the horoscope as we know it today is actually a corruption of, of the, the Hebrew uh, Maseroth, the, the, the constellations. And besides the fact, that, like, do you remember like two years ago, they came out, they're like, hey, you know, everything we knew about the, your horoscope, it's wrong. Because it's all like, they, everything shifted like three weeks. So you had this one guy and he's like, you know, you know I'm, a, I'm a Scorpio. That's why I'm so aggressive. You know? I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know that's why you were aggressive. You know, like, oh, these late October people. You know, they're, they're all aggressive. And then you're like, no, no, no. But then it turns out and then they ended up being something else, which is like totally docile. Like, wow, I've been, who knows what that was all about, you know? And it's like, well, it's, you know. And then they kind of like threw another one in there. And you know, read that. Like, yeah, there's another one. We forgot about that guy. He's only there for like four days, but we threw him in there as well, uh, just to kind of make it all equal, you know, 365. And uh, now, the the reason why that's a, a to- which, by the way, can I just harp on this for a minute? Um, have you ever noticed that whenever it's like, oh man, I need to, I need to, I didn't know what to do. I'm going to read my horoscope today. Okay, if you're, if you're a Pisces, here's what we encourage you. Don't make any big decisions without consulting someone. Isn't that just good advice for anyone? <laughs> you know... I'm thinking about moving a Timbuktu. Have you talked to anybody? No, and I am a Pisces. I should do that today. I just read that. Okay, yeah. Why don't you do that? Are you partly human? Maybe you should talk to someone. Uh, and so, anyway, don't get me started. Uh, so, but here's the thing. The thing is this, is that the, in, in the Hebrew culture, the 12 signs of the Zodiac were directly related to the 12 tribes of Israel because they were telling a story. They were, it was the story that God has been telling us throughout the ages. What is the story? It's the story that starts with Virgo, the virgin, who gives birth. And then it ends at the, the Leo, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who's victorious. 
And so I'm telling you, I, I don't have time to go into this whole thing, but someday I'm going to do a message on the, an entire message on the Maseroth, and it's amazing because even the constellations have lesser stars within them, and they are all directly related to the message of the gospel. And by the way, these things were, uh, they were all named thousands of years before. Uh, Jesus showed up and all that. So it's not like, oh, then that came after. No, no, no. This is, these are, these things are thousands of years old. So the story goes from the Virgo, the Virgin, to the Libra, which is, you see that there's the scales, the debt that needs to be paid. There's the serpent who shows up, the Scorpio, seeking to destroy the, the Virgin, who, the, the, the child who's been given, uh, who, who has been born through the Virgin. And then he appears in the next constellation as, a, as Sagittarius, the one who was half man and half sacrificial animal. Why? Because Jesus showed up as fully God and fully man to die for us. Listen, we can go, don't, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. But I want to, but I can't because we got to cover other stuff. But someday we're going to go into this, all right? But the point is this, that all of creation is speaking to the story of God. All of creation is all, because the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament shows his handiwork. That means it reveals what God is capable of doing. Now, why is that so important? Because when you're in the dark about what decision to make, who do you go to other than God? Who said, hey, I hung the sun and I hung the moon and I hung the stars. So I'm able to illuminate your path and where it is that you're, where you need to go. When you're saying, my life seems totally out of control. Why don't you, we look to the heavens when everything is running like clockwork. Because that's how God designed it and created it to be. So you don't have to worry because if God is in it and God's made a promise to you, then it is going to happen. And listen, the heavens will declare it. The firmament will show it that everything in creation is showing you that if God is in it, it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. And man, we're, we're look, man, I, but I don't have the resources to fix the problem that I have. And how am I going to work this out? Can I tell you something? The God that we serve is the God who flung the universe into existence and made it out of nothing. There was nothing. And he created something. Listen, my friend, if he could, if he could create the universe, I'm pretty sure he can solve whatever difficulty that you and I are, are going through. And you know what I love most about creation? And the creation story in particular is that God creates everything in the creation story in Genesis 1. And then it says, and then it was evening, and then it was morning. In a Jewish culture, in a Jewish world, every day starts at sundown. That means that everything starts out dark, but it's always getting better. It's, a, it's it, Hey, things might seem bleak, but it's going to get brighter. And creation teaches us that. The Bible says it this way in Psalm 30, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know what I also love is that it says this. It says um, that when, you know, for us, think about this. When the day started, for us, we went to sleep last night. But you know, the day, when our day was ending, God's day was starting. So when we were sleeping, God was working on our behalf. So check out now. So he says the creation is telling us who God is. He's, it's telling us we see God's glory, his splendor, his majesty, his power through creation. But we see something else next. We see, uh, we see God's objectives. We understand God's objectives through God's word. That's what we see in verse 7. Look at what it says. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. 
The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warmed, and by them, and by keeping them, there is great reward. Now if you pause there and give me your attention, like I said a moment ago, uh, we understand God's glory through God's creation. We understand, secondly, God's objectives through God's word. Through God's word. I remember when I got my first Bible. I was 19, and uh, I had just prayed to receive Christ. I had just become a Christian. My wife and I were dating at the time. We were sitting in my older brother's kitchen. He shared the gospel with us, and he led us to the Lord. And uh, my brother gave me his Bible. And it was a study Bible, which was pretty cool, but it was a King James Version of the Bible, which is like the, if you're not familiar with that, that's kind of the old English, you know, thee and thou, that kind of stuff. You know, all the phrases we use it common, commonly. And, um, and so, the, for me, the King James is the translation you give to people that you don't like that come to know Jesus. Like, oh, you come to know Jesus, that's great. Here's a, a translation that's impossible for you to understand. There you go. Bye-bye. Anyway, so, uh, of all the translations, he decides to give me that one. And uh, so, now, to make this easier, it was, it was a King James, which is, you know, written, it, it came out in 1611, so it's been out for a while. And then uh, it was a Hebrew-Greek key study Bible, which meant every word had a number associated with it. And then, so if you didn't understand, it's like, hey, you don't know what that word means? Don't worry, we have it in Hebrew and Greek in the back that you can look. Like, wow, thanks, that helps. Um, and, and so... Anyway, so we're flying home. We, we, my brother lived in Boston, and we had just become Christians. We've been Christians for two days. And then we were flying home, Carrie and I, and uh, we're reading this Bible that he, had, that he had given to us. And so he says, hey, I want you to read the Gospel of Matthew. That sounds like good advice. Except the Gospel of Matthew starts out with a genealogy. And, and, in the, and, and it says, you know, um, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so. So I turned to my wife, and I'm like, hey, um, begat, you know, you know what that means? No, begat, I don't know. Is it like a gat, like a gun? No, because I, you know, like, I've been listening to gangster rap, and they talk about begat. So I was listening to some gangster rap on the way here. It's hardcore, you know, I'm just messing with you. Just messing with you. Uh, so in the first, there was a group of people going crazy when I said that. Apparently, they were in, like, a gangster rap group. So, got a couple members of NWA hanging out here uh, in the first service. But anyway, so, uh, don't look that up, please. Um, so, I just realized that. Uh, we'll edit that later. And, because uh, I never said that. And uh, so, so we, we uh, so we're going on, we don't know what that is. And so, Carrie says to me, she says, you know, maybe it means that so-and-so was the other guy's dad. Let's go with that. That sounds good. Turns out that was right, but I'm like, oh, we'll go with that. Now, you know, I mean, I, I, I had, you understand, I became a Christian at 19. I had never read a book in my life. I did not read a book through high school or elementary school or middle school. I had read one book in my entire life. And I, some of you have been around, you've heard me say this, but I had read one book in my entire life. I was, uh, I was 18, and I was walking through the mall by myself for some reason. These are just the bizarre things you do when you're a teenager. But I'm walking through the mall by myself for some reason. And, and like something, I go into this bookstore. It was a Walden Books when that company still existed. And I go into Walden Books and I'm walking around. Like I have no business in it. I'm like I'm barely literate, you know. So I go into this bookstore 
And uh, I, got, I, I, I see this book, and I'm like, wow, that, that looks interesting. And, uh, the, so I, and I bought it. It was $4.95. It was $5.25 with tax. It was, it was an unauthorized biography on the life of Madonna. And uh, just a random book, a random book. And I thought, she looks like she'd probably have an interesting life. I'd like to read about that. And uh, now some of you guys laugh. You never pegged me for a material girl. I don't know why. But, you know. So nonetheless, so fast forward. Now I'm on the plane. You know, I become a Christian. I'm reading the Bible. And I'm thinking like, wow, paying attention in first through 12th grade really would have paid off right now. And uh, so I'm, I get past all the genealogy stuff. And then you get to the part where Jesus is teaching. And then in the, the King James, uh, Jesus says, he says, you know, verily, I say unto you. And then he says something hardcore right after that. And I'm like, you know, verily, you know, because my wife is like straight A student, voted most popular in her class, most likely to succeed, most likely to conquer the moon, you know, like all these things. You know, she's like, how I ended up marrying her is just the power of what it is to be a good musician. That's all it is that, you know, it's like I put on a guitar and she lost all reasoning ability. Um, So but anyway, so. Uh, so she's read a lot. She was on in college, college scholarships, whatever. You know, everybody's fighting over. Please come to my school. No, please come to my school. We'll give you money to come to our school. I, I probably like, hey, don't no, thank you. I'll play it, pay full price. No, thank you. Anyway, clown college is open for you. That's about it. Okay. So anyway, so so we're doing this whole thing, and I'm trying, to, and so I'm like, listen, you're you're well read. Have you come across this verily word? Because then we came back a few verses later, and here's what it said. Jesus goes, verily, verily. Whoa! That's like one of those dropping the mic. You know, like Jesus is going to drop something right there. And then I'm like, and I told him, like, this seems hardcore, what he's saying. I don't know what it means, but it seems serious. So I'm, and she goes, well, why don't we look it up? Oh, yeah, it has the word. So it had a number. So I'm like, all right, let's look it up. It's like 5,000 something. So I'm like, all right, let's go to the back. 5,000. Okay, there's a bunch of symbols. That's probably the original Greek word. And then huh, coming from this verse, that's where we were. Definition, verily. Okay, that helped. <laughs> the definition of the word is the actual word. That isn't right. And so anyway, so... By the way, if you're not aware, uh, it turns out later on I learned that verily means surely, assuredly. So like now, if, uh, if it says verily, it means surely. If Jesus says assuredly, it's verily, verily. So anyway, just for those of you that you want to skip that little lesson, uh, that'll help you. And um, now here's my, here's my point in all this, is that there can be this, um, like my introduction to the Bible was not the easiest thing. Because I'm telling you, I got off the plane and I'm like, dude, this book is impossible. I'm like, it's got like all these codes and references. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to understand this. And I thought that I could have, you know, like it would have been easy for me to say, I, I tried. I tried and it was impossible. And, and, and yet what happened was, is that um, I, for whatever reason, I just had this, this incredible determination that I was going to learn what this book had to say. Because I was 19 years old and Jesus saved me. And I just wanted to learn how to live the way he wanted me to live. Because for the first 19 years of my life, I was doing my own thing, and I had no clue what I was doing. And I, I, and I just knew that the answers to all the most important questions of life were found here. And listen, what we learn is, is that God has an objective in the word of God in our lives. That there is a purpose and a reason for God's word working in and, and, and through us. And see, sometimes what will happen is, is that, and I'll, and I'll see this happen, like sometimes someone will start reading the Bible and they'll get kind of smug and get kind of cocky. 
Like, oh, I'm sorry, this is the, that's the wrong deal. This is the wrong purpose because we're going to talk about these five purposes that God has for the Bible in our lives. But becoming like a jerk for Jesus isn't one of them. It's, it's like there should be more, a little more humility in your life when you, when you learn it. And it reminds me, so whenever I see someone like they, they, they get a couple verses under their belt and they just think they're, that there's something. It reminds me of when my daughter was two. Uh, we were in California on vacation. Uh, I was actually speaking at something and then we took a couple extra days vacation. So we're in this hotel and... My, my daughter was too, Mia at the time, she was, uh, she was our only child at the time. And so she, she had this thing where she'd like to grab our electric toothbrush and try to brush her teeth. And so I'm like, okay, and I was cute. So I would take, put like a little dab of toothpaste and then she would try. She had like four teeth at the time. So she's trying to like really, you know, get those things nice and white. And so anyway, so I give her the toothbrush and then I'm going to get ready because we're going out to do something. And, and then I, don't, I hear the toothbrush going, but I don't see Mia. And I'm like, hey, Kara, where's Mia? I don't know. So then we go into the bathroom, and Mia is cleaning the back of the toilet with my electric toothbrush. And Carrie is like, oh, honey, don't do that. And then she's like, no, I'm going to clean it. Clean it. Throw that whole thing away. This ship has sailed. I ain't even ever using that brand anymore from what I just saw there. I'm done. I'm done. Now, what's the, what, what? good thing being used for the wrong purpose. That's the issue. Now, what happens? David gives us in the psalm five purposes that the Bible serves in our lives. Let me give you the first one in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Uh, David would say this. Here's in your notes. The word of God transforms us. The, God uses the Bible to convert us, to make us believers as we hear the gospel, and then to transform our lives as the gospel permeates every area of our lives. Listen, if we're reading the Bible and the Bible isn't changing us, something's, something's missing. The Bible would say it this way. It says in James 1, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, And it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It's to transform us. The second thing it says is the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So the word of God transforms us. Number two, the word of God informs us. If you're a Christian and you want to be wise, you need to become fluent in God's word. You need to know what the Bible says and then put it into practice. The Bible would say it this way in Psalm 119. You are my portion, O Lord, for I have said that I would keep your words. I entreat your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. You see, the word of God transforms us. The word of God informs us. Number three, the word of God warms us how does it warm us look at what it says in verse 8 the statutes of the lord are right rejoicing the heart there is a joy that comes with living god's way there's a blessing that comes when we walk in his statutes and his commands and we experience the goodness of god in our lives in psalm 40 the psalmist would say let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you let such as love your salvation continue to say the lord be magnified so The word of God, what does it do? It transforms us. It informs us. It warms us. Number four, it 
warns us. Look at what he says at the end of, at the end of verse 8. He says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's word gives us illumination to know what step to take, to know what turn to make. And if without God's word, we are totally in the dark when it comes to choices, decisions that we have in our lives. That's why in Psalm 119, 105, the Bible says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You're leading me. You're illuminating the next step that I can take to go where it is that you want me to go. So it transforms us. It informs us. It warms us. It warns us. And then lastly, it forms us. Look at what he says at the end there of of verse 9. He says, the judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It forms us to the degree that we will allow God's word into our mind and into our heart is to the degree that it will transform our lives. The Bible says in Psalm 119, in verse 33, it says this. It says, give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. You see, whatever it is, whether it's God's word or something else, whatever it is that we allow in, it is shaping and working and transforming us, whatever it is that goes into our mind and then into our hearts, it will form who it is that we become. My, uh, you guys know this. I'm a, I've been a Star Wars, big Star Wars fan since I was a kid. And uh, because I'm a good dad, I'm tre- teaching my kids the ways of the force as well. And uh, so my, my oldest daughter, Mia, who's six and a half, she's a huge Star Wars fan. And so, you know, she's seen, with the exception of number three, she's seen all the movies a bunch of times. We've watched, seen the Clone Wars movie, the Clone Wars TV show. We've seen all that stuff. And so, this is about two years ago. Xander was a baby, and uh, Xander was about one at the time. And we're, di- at, we're eating dinner, and then Mia says to me, she says, Poppy, uh, after dinner, can we watch The Empire Strikes Back? And I say that, I was just like, yeah, that's good. And I said, honey, it's a little too late for that. Um, but I love the request, and nothing would give me greater joy than to watch The Empire Strikes Back with you. However, you have school tomorrow, and so uh, we'll, watch it. we'll watch it after you get home from school and after I get home from the office. And, um, but uh, but you, you've seen the movie, so when you go lay down to, to go to bed, you just let the movie play in your mind. And then as you drift off to sleep, you'll just be remembering what happens in the movie, and then you'll fall asleep. And she says, yes, but Bobby... I need to get Star Wars into my heart. And I thought, that's awesome. My wife, not so much awesome. And, you know, there's, I, I have these, um, there are these varying levels of when I have committed some kind of infraction in my house. When it's, Bob, it's, this, is a, this is a term of information in my life. Hey, Bob, this, the trash needs to go out today. Hey, Bob, uh, you know, please don't leave your stuff all around. Hey, 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 Bob, there's a fire. You know what I mean? It's like, they're just informing. She's informing me. When it's Robert, we've escalated to a new level. This is like threat alert, alert yellow. And so now we have got like, Bob didn't work. Now I'm going to have to use a more forceful tone for you to be the spiritual leader of our home and do what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? It's like, that's like, we're, we got to get you to do this. So then, but when I get to... Robert Alexander Franquist, and then the statement comes out, we are at threat level red. I mean, this is like everyone run for cover. You know what I mean? So I, she says, I need to get Star Wars into my heart. And I laugh, and I'm like, honey, that's awesome. God bless you. We'll see that. We'll ha- that'll happen. And so she's like, Robert Alexander Franquist, what are you doing? What have you done? 
She needs Jesus in her heart, not Darth Vader. And so she kind of goes into this whole thing. And uh, I, I, honestly, I didn't really know how to respond to that. And, and she was like kind of hot about the whole thing. And, and, I, and you can ask Carrie this. She'll tell you. But I, she, I, she, I, it was like a couple seconds and I didn't know how to respond. And I just said, I'm not the person you're looking for. I can go about my business. And then I ran away. And uh, that's how we do it. So, but the thing is this, is that if we will allow the word of God to do the thing that it's supposed to do, which is to transform us and form us and warm us and warn us and then form us. Listen, we will really know who God is. Because when we see what God has done in the pages of the Bible, what he's done in the past, and the promises that he makes in our present, we can understand then what God is going to do in the future and really know who he is and know his heart and know his plan. And then David goes on in these final couple verses and he says this, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Uh, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Here's the last thing I want to tell you. And that is this, that we understand ourselves through God's eyes. See, when you really know who who God is, you then begin to get a real understanding of who you are. Can I, can I just tell you this, that so many people have a distorted view of themselves. And it starts because they have a twisted view of who God is. And they, we kind of have these pictures of God that are just distorted. Like we have this, like, uh, what, what I like to call the ESPN God. And this is the God who's always keeping score. And, you know, every time you mess up, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm jotting that one down. That's going in the ledger. You're never gonna, you, we're never going to forget about that. There's the stained glass God. This is the God that lives in church and is totally irrelevant to daily life. And, you know, you know, every time you come, well, God, you just wouldn't understand what's happening here. And then there's the drill sergeant God. This is the God who's mad and who wants to make you miserable because that's apparently his role in life is to make you miserable. There's the grandpa God. This is the God that kind of glosses over all of our mistakes. And there's never any consequence to our actions because, you know, God loves you and God loves me. And apparently he's more like Barney because we're a happy family. And, you know, so and, and that now listen, there are morsels of truth in that. Does God know our sins? Yes. It's not all he does, but he does know. He doesn't, it doesn't make them. It's like it's, they're not of no consequence to him. Does God dwell amongst his people? Yes, he sure does. But he is very aware of what's happening and very relevant to daily life. The drill sergeant, does God want us to live a certain way? Yes. But you know, the Bible says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not him trying to force us or push us or manipulate us. It's kindness that leads us there. And some of the things that can happen is, is that we can... Start, we can have this view of God that's just, well, it's just like this one portion of who God is. And and we just miss out on on the full orb of of who God is and his full nature and character. And listen, the thing that was so amazing and and the thing that's why it's so powerful is because your picture of who God is, is affecting you more than you know. It affects your relationship with God more than you realize. It affects your relationships with other people more than you realize. It affects the thoughts you think about yourself, your view of yourself and your future more than you realize. And listen, that's why so many people are living lives that are just so unhealthy and so destructive. 
because their view of God is completely skewed. See, and then in walks Jesus. And here's what the Bible says, the last verse in your outline. It says this, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. You see, Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life and lived a brutal death. You know why? To reveal to us who God is, to show us that God loves us passionately and longs to, be, to restore the relationship that's been broken because of sin that's happened in our lives. God's desire is like the desire of any good father. He wants to bless your life. He wants to bring meaning and direction and purpose to your days. You see, you could be going through a season. You're like, man, it's just, it's so, it's so dark right now. Here's what God wants you to know. It'll be light soon. I know it's dark now, but it was evening and then it was morning. It might be dark, but the sun is coming up because the Bible says this, that those who trust the Lord shall lack no good thing. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you that you reveal yourself to us because we know that you didn't have to but you chose to because that's what a loving father does. That's what a loving creator does. That not only did you just create us, but you take an interest in us. You're mindful of us. And God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in these closing moments that we have together. God, I pray you just do an impacting work in each of us as we spend these closing moments considering what you've done and considering what it is that you want to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, you may be here today and there's a whole variety of reasons, a variety of circumstances that brought you into this place, but one of them might be because you're going through a tough situation. It's been a difficult season. And you could be saying, man, I'm going through a tough time, and where's God? Because I need him. Can I tell you something? Where's God? He's right here. He's never left you. But see, he wants to work in your life. And you say, man, but this has been so tough. I know. But you know, God never wastes a hurt in your life. Yeah, it might be dark now, but the sun is going to come up. It might be cold now, but the warmth of its rays you're going to experience soon. You might be living in the shadows. You might be like how I was. I was 19 years old. My band was on the verge of a record deal. And I thought that, man, this was, I wasn't looking for God. But I'm so grateful that he was looking for me. Because the life that I've been able to live is so far greater than anything that I could have imagined or dreamed up for myself. And maybe that's your story. Maybe your story is that you've been running from God. Maybe you've been running from a distorted picture of God. Maybe you've made some mistakes in your life and you're like, listen, God would never accept me. God, God would never receive me if he knew what I've done. Listen, can I tell you something? He already knows. He already knows. So the only thing that we're doing is just keeping ourselves from the one person who can give us forgiveness from the guilt and a release from the weight that we carry. See, maybe it's time to stop running from the caricatures of God that, we, that we've trumped up and dreamed up in our minds and really come home 
to the real and true and living God who loves us, who forgives us, who sent his son to die for us and rise again so that we would know the depth of his love, the seriousness of his commitment. Because my friend, it's time to decide. You say, I don't don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to act like this anymore. I don't want to have this despair anymore. That this is your moment to come to God. And listen, you could be saying, no, but I'm a Christian and I've kind of walked away and done my own thing. Then listen, you know better than anyone that this is your time to come back to him. Not to some idea of God that has no place in the Bible or in reality, but to the real God who loves you. To the God who wants to forgive you and restore you. To the God that we see in the story of the prodigal son when he thought this dad will never accept me. He embraced his son. He put a robe on his son, the ring on his son, restoring their relationship. And he said this, let's have a feast because my son was dead and now he's alive. That's that's who God is. That's the work that God wants to do in your life. So I'm going to invite everyone in the house to stand as we close. And I want to give you an opportunity to come to him, to ask him to give you a vision for your life, his vision, which is greater than anything you could possibly imagine. There's another psalm that says this, that God took me from miry clay, from quicksand that I was sinking in. And here's what he said. He says he took me out of that and he set my feet on a rock. You see, sometimes we think, no, my life can't, can't get any better. It can only get worse. And that's true if we just stay where we are. But if we come to God, he will change the trajectory of our lives. He will take us from where we are and give us a new path, a new pattern, a new life, which is different than anything we could ask, think, or imagine. And so now it's your opportunity. Now it's your moment to decide to say, I want that kind of life. I want to follow that kind of God. I want that kind of Savior who died for me and rose again and now has the power to forgive and the power to transform my life into everything that I couldn't even dream that it could possibly be. So in a moment, the band's going to sing. And when they do, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you. You're already standing. I'm going to invite you to take a few steps and meet me here in this place. And as you do, we're going to pray together and call on God and God is going to do a work and God is going to change your life from that simple prayer. He's going to transform you in this place, in this time. And this is the day you'll be able to circle on the calendar and say, this is the day that he transformed me. God bless you. Come on up. Yeah. God bless you. This is your moment. This is your time. Take the step and let's watch God move in your life. George, lead us.